right, heading at 074. Check your altimeter set, 2946. Corrected center point elevation, 0 feet. Check your barrel and exit. Check your SS 1230 3034. Check your field. Check your speed up. Lights out. Welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Bob, Mo, update away to us. Two soldiers at five. We are the airfield and airspace. You are clear for takeoff. Have a good one. Thanks, Mo. Clear for takeoff. Check your parker brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on. Maneuver. Damn it. Half scroll face. Left turn out. Let's run them up. Both brakes now. The Renegade Aviator combines jet airshow performances and this radio show to promote aviation, excellence, overcoming obstacles, and achieving goals. Here he is, the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Costa. I am the Renegade Aviator, and I got a special guest again. I promise you each and every week that I'm going to bring you special guests, people that are demonstrating excellence, people that are out there doing things, overcoming obstacles, achieving goals. And this week, I am pleased to have Vicki Bensing from Vicki Bensing Aerosports, and she flies a 1940 Stearman at air shows, and she races airplanes at the Reno Air Races, zipping along the course at horrendous speeds. Vicki, welcome to the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. I know you're busy. I know we've been trying to get you on for a while. Uh, you got a lot of fans out there. And tell us a little bit about how you got started, right? How did you make that start? When did you realize that, man, aviation is what I want to do? Uh, well, I've been around aviation all my life. My uncle was actually an airshow pilot and a Reno race pilot. He raced back in the late 60s in the Fort Plane division. But it wasn't actually something that I thought that I could do as a young teenage female. It wasn't until I went to college and one of my buddies asked me if I wanted to go skydiving. I just said, yeah, sure. And we went out and I absolutely fell in love with skydiving that I realized that aviation was my passion. And uh, so I was around the airplanes all the time while skydiving. And so I asked, talked to my parents about learning to fly. And of course, with my uncle being a pilot and his buddies being pilots, and, uh, one of his buddies let me learn to fly in his 1940 Taylor Craft out at Watsonville, California. So I learned to fly in uh, an antique airplane. It was a uh, hand prop. It didn't have an electrical system. And I was young and it was, I just had the time of my life. It was like falling in love. And I've been in love with aviation ever since. That is so cool because, you know, I think a lot of times everybody wants to know. It's one of the things as we're talking to kids and adults alike, we're saying find a passion in life. Yeah, we all need to go out and make a living. We all need to earn a living. And I'm sure you've been, it looks like you did a lot of really cool stuff in another career as well. And if you want to talk about that later, you can. But people sometimes know from birth. In my case, I was hatched and then other people need to be led into it. So it sounds like that's kind of how it happened to you. You kind of allowed yourself to experience something different. Is that a fair statement? 
That was a completely fair statement. I had no idea that that was going to happen to me. And I knew on my first flight that that was it. And I think it's really important for young people to find their passion in life. And it's what fulfills us in life and drives us. This is what I'm talking about, people, is we talk to people all the time. and They go, you know what? I'm bored. I'm depressed. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know what my calling is. And Vicki, you allowed yourself to be open to it, despite the fact that some people may say, well, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to go that way? But I'm hearing something else. And I think this is key. Your family was there, right? You had people that were all either in aviation already, but also people that said, go do it. Go try it. That's right. They were very supportive of it. <laughs> in fact, well, it's kind of a funny story. I was in school and I was forbidden to have a motorcycle when I was a kid. And, you know, my mom thought I was going to crash. And so I went to college and I secretly bought a motorcycle. And I got hit by a car. And back in those days, the insurance company settled with me for like $3,000, which was a fortune to me then. (laughs) And I used that money to go, you know, pay for my flying lessons. Because, you know, even though the the plane was at no charge, I still had to pay for the instructor and the fuel and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I learned to fly with. And, And my parents, of course, found out about the motorcycle after I got hit by a car and and they were thrilled that I was flying instead of riding motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> Something safe like aviation and flying upside down and doing all that. <laughs> yeah, well, you just never know. And so you started, you said the first thing you did is you jumped out of an airplane. That's crazy enough. I've got a daughter that surprised me when she said, hey, dad, I jumped out of an airplane. And uh, as a father, I, my heart sank, but she's uh you know, she made it on the ground. Okay. So you started jumping out of airplanes. You got into flying airplanes. How did you get into flying aerobatic airplanes and then on into air racing? How did that transition through? Well, the aerobatic stuff, my primary flight instructor was an ex-military instructor. So in that little 1941 telegraph, we did loops and rolls and spins because in that day and age, you had to learn spins to get your private pilot's license and you had to demonstrate spins. And we just went on to do the loops and rolls. And then when I was done with my private pilot rating, I went and trained with Amelia Reed of Reed Hillview Airport. And um, I did a 10-hour course with her. And that's a whole story in and of itself because she was such a character. But then I actually went into high tech. I didn't pursue flying as a career. Flying was always a passion and a hobby, but my career was in high tech. And at the time, I just didn't have money to buy an airplane that I could do aerobatics in safely. My first airplane was a Luscombe, and I, of course, tried rolling and looping that, but I had read about some poor fellow whose wings fell off and out of Columbia when he looped a Luscombe, so I stopped doing that. <laughs> Many years went by before I could actually afford to buy an aerobatic airplane. And I happened to take a ride with Wayne Handley, who was visiting our airport, his extra 300L, the two-place extra. And he, we tumbled the airplane, and, and I was hooked. <laughs> Within a month, I think, I went out and bought an extra and um, started training with Wayne. And I trained with a whole bunch of different professional coaches and joined the International Aerobatic Club, learned to fly aerobatics in a box, competed and competed all the way up into the nationals. I attended nationals several times and then uh, made the leap for the transition over to airshow flying and started airshow flying in 2006 and stopped flying contests in 2009 and 
And then in 2010, I met a fellow named Lee Beal, who was at my home airport. Well, I had changed airport. And Lee was a Reno racer. And he asked me to come out, quote unquote, come out and play in my sandbox, <laughs> literally in the desert. So I, I went out to PRS and I had so much fun flying uh, with the group out there that, um, that when Lee asked if he, if he found me a ride for September, would I come out? Uh, I said, I quickly said, yes. And, and the issue with racing at Reno and doing the aerobatics competition is that nationals in Reno are, are within a week of each other every year. So I kind of had to choose between racing and competing. I decided to go race. Other friends decided to continue to compete and join the U.S. aerobatic team. But I kind of went a different direction and started flying the air show. So it's all good. That is outstanding. Hey, we're coming right up to our first break, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. Listen to Vicki Bensing. I'm going to have her back after the break. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. That's an order. 888-366-5256. David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Call our listener line, 888-366-5256. Ask a question, leave a comment, 888-366-5256. Flight 209er, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Huh? LA departure frequency, 123.9er. Roger. Huh? Request vector. Over. What? Flight 209er, clear for vector 324. We have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Tower radio clearance, over. That's Clarence, over. Over. Roger. Huh? Roger, over. What? Hey, this is Vicki Bensing. I'm an air show and air race pilot, and I'm here with David Costa on the Renegade Aviator Radio Show. Advanced Aviation. When choosing a flight school, look for a couple of very important things. Number one, how experienced are the flight instructors? How long have they been flying? Number two, does the flight school have a maintenance crew on staff that can make sure that the aircraft are safe and ready to fly? Number three, does the flight school offer advanced flight simulation options? There's a time to fly, but simulator training is a valuable part of the process. When I looked at the flight training options in the Reno area, advanced aviation met all these criteria. So will you allow me to make a personal introduction for you and get you in the pilot seat? This is David Costa. I am the Renegade Aviator. 888-366-5256. Call. Advanced Aviation.
in the air and on air. Here he is, the renegade aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the renegade aviator, back with you. And I've got Vicki Bensing of Vicki Bensing Aerosports with me. And you can find her at VickiBensing.com. Is that right, Vicki? VickiBensing.com? That's right. All right, that's B-E-N-Z-I-N-G, easy to spell. And when we came back, we heard Vicky's story at the first segment, but coming back in, I'm writing notes as you were talking, and the first thing that hit my head is everybody's got an excuse in life, everybody, no matter who they are, it doesn't matter, you know, gender, color, creed, everybody's got their own excuses. But there's one thing that hit me as I'm listening to you talk, Vicky is you continue to show up and make decisions, to show up and make decisions. I mean, is that, it sounds easy, and I know it's not that easy all the time because people have other pressures and things in life that hit them, but in the end, you got to keep showing up. Yep, yep. Well, that's not hard when it's your passion, I think. <laughs> Bingo. And that see, that's the key, is that's where we keep talking, this is not a personal development show, but it's something that we say, you know what, some people may not like what you're doing. Some people may be scared to death that their daughter hopped on a motorcycle and went out and crashed it. They didn't know that. They go, oh my God, thank God she's now flying. But no matter what it is, is to find that passion, go out there and do it. And then I'm listening to you here, right? You're an overnight success, many, many years of doing it. You see what I'm saying? People think that I want to be an air show pilot, so I'm going to get my pilot license today and be an air show pilot tomorrow. It's not that easy, is it? No, it's not. Actually, uh, when people ask me about that, I really encourage them to go get some good quality aerobatic training and then join the International Aerobatic Club and, and learn to fly aerobatics in a, in a safe and stepwise manner. You learn so much by competing and um, hanging out with sort of like-minded folks. So they, uh, the club has regular critique sessions, and, and you get docked points if your lines aren't perfectly vertical or perfectly on a 45 or your rolls stop short uh, or your loops aren't loop-like, you're not perfectly round. So it really makes you become better and a much more precise pilot, which, which you really need if you're going to be flying close to the surface of the ground uh, ultimately. So you really need to understand the window of your airplane and understand how to do the figures properly. Absolutely. And that brings me into the next part of this, because you fly an airplane I've flown. I love the Stearman. You fly a 1940 Stearman, and it's something that, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen these types of biplanes, there's not a lot of them out there anymore. There's a lot of people flying to more modern stuff. So, Vicki, you're flying an airplane. You actually got to fly all the way into the chocks. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I actually, well, my first air show was in German, but, um, but of course I was competing in the extra, which is a high performance monoplane. So I wanted to fly air shows in that. And, um, and I was, I was booking a modest amount of air shows, but one of my buddies asked me if I would come fly his air show in this German. And, and so I did, and then word got out and all of a sudden everybody wanted this German and not the monoplane. And, it's because it is pretty uncommon on the airship circuit. It's a giant airplane that has two hands to fly it. So it's, you know, it's good if you work out. It takes a, a lot of strength to move the, the stick to, to roll the airplane. And uh, it is difficult to fly in its own way because it loses energy so rapidly because of the drag on the airframes. So and it's all about energy management in the sequence. The 
I climb up, I get potential energy, I lose airspeed, I lose kinetic energy, then I go back down and I gain kinetic energy with airspeed and lose potential energy and so on and so forth. So the it's just a trade-off of energy up and down during the various speeds. It's a fun airplane to fly. And it's a big airplane. I mean, it's an airplane that can be seen by the crowd. It stands. It's a pretty airplane. It's a classic airplane. It's a plane we just don't see. But they, they aren't making any more of them, for sure. Yeah. It makes lots of smoke exactly. <laughs> and lots of noise. I think the, uh, the monoplane were running maybe a half a gallon of smoke oil a minute or maybe three quarters. And it's German. I have to run about a gallon, but it makes smoke and, and lots and lots of noise because of course that prop is really long and at that rpm the tips go supersonic i love so, it it's fun to watch i love it and i love the other airplane can i mention the other airplane you got that i saw for the first time in september the, the beautiful purple p51 mustang an all-time favorite uh, that is so cool uh i'm pretty pretty blessed to be able to uh be the caretaker of that airplane for, <laughs> for for as long as I have it. Um, yeah, that's a special airplane. It has a lot of history, and um, and I'm anxious to get it out on the air show circuit, which hopefully will be next year. Excellent. Excellent. We would love to see it because uh, that's a historic airplane in and of itself for a number of different reasons. Everybody knows the sound of that P-51, but um, to see it in your hands and out there flying that, I think it's uh, that's, that's really going to be a treat for the air show crowds. Yep, and I, I plan to do a fully aerobatic sequence with it. Um, so we'll, uh, but first I got to make it fly again. So <laughs> <There you laughs> we'll get the engine out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's always, that's the other side benefit of airplanes. They always need care and feeding and maintenance, so uh, outstanding. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an order of magnitude. How to make a fortune, right? Yeah, exactly. Start with a really <laughs> Start big Start with a larger one and go into aviation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Outstanding. Ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up to our next break. I've got Vicki Bensing of Vicki Bensing Aerosports, air show pilot, ladies and gentlemen, and air racing pilot. We will be right back after these messages. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, 888-366-5256. Make aviation great again. David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, will be right back. He told me to say that. Hello, this is Vicki Benzing, and you can find out more by visiting my website at VickiBenzing.com. Something else we have in common Flying on the airlines and listening to the airlines announcements and trying to pretend to ourselves that the language they're using is really English. Doesn't seem like it to me. Whole thing starts when you get to the gate. First announcement. We would like to begin the boarding process. Extra word, process. Not necessary. Boarding is enough. We'd like to begin the boarding. Simple, tells the story. People add extra words when they want things to sound more important than they really are. Boarding process. Sounds important. It isn't. It's just a bunch of people getting on an airplane. People like to sound important. Weathermen on television talk about shower activity. Sounds more important than showers. I even heard one guy on CNN talk about a rain event. Swear to God. He said, Louisiana's expecting a rain event. I thought, holy shit, I hope I can get tickets to that. Come on, 
Ladies, 50 Years of Asian Up. We are well into the new year. Have you started your new fitness routine for 2020? Come join my tribe, a fitness community for women. I am Coach Laura, an ACE certified group fitness instructor and senior support specialist. Every workout is different. We work on strength, cardio, and core in a fun format. We enjoy monthly socials with our group of ladies. Come be welcomed into my tribe. Let me know that you are ready to get fit and have fun. Call or text 800-784-2707. Again, that's 800-784-2707. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay Come fly with me No, David, I don't know why the FAA called. They just said they wanted to talk to you about that flyby. Oh, the host of the Renegade Aviator, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, Renegade Aviator. I forgot to tell you guys something. You know, I am talking to the fastest woman pilot at the Reno Air Races ever, flying a jet around the race course, an L-139. Vicky did that, and I was there the first year you flew that thing out there. Really was something to see, Vicky. Um, How did you get get into the jet class? I, I know you were racing sport class for a while, but how did you get into the jet class? Like anything, I got an email from a friend. <laughs> Would you like to race jets? He says. <laughs> so of course I write back. You better not be kidding me. <laughs> you better be serious about this. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> or don't write me. <laughs> that was Rick Fandom, and um, he had an L thirty nine. He trained me in it. Then I got typerated, and and I went out. And I think it was twenty thirteen was my first year of racing jets. I had a blast. That was fun. Yeah. Rick actually got me into the jet world as well. So uh, I need to publicly thank Rick again as well. I don't do it often enough. So Rick, thank you. You know what you did and I do appreciate it. But Vicki, all this cool stuff you do requires something that all of us strive to achieve. And it's the nebulous thing of sponsors. I mean, I'm sure you've got sponsors. I, I know you've got CAU, but what are, who are the sponsors that are supporting your air shows and everything else that you're involved with? I'll spend a few minutes talking about the California Aeronautical University, but first let me, uh, let me just list off my sponsors because I appreciate them all for what they do for me. And, and this is not a, an endeavor that, that you make money at. <laughs> So, yeah. so, uh, so it's really helpful to have companies that come on board and, uh, and help me to pass the message of aviation to young people. So those are Oregon Aero, the maker of seats and uh, personal equipment to make pilots more comfortable. Concord batteries, CamGuard, the additive for oil to protect your engine. Tempest, they supply spark plugs for me, oil filters. Apex Aerospace Organization, uh, Peter Stonefield runs that. He's a DER and helps out with uh, some of the engineering that's required uh, if I need to make modifications for my air- aircraft. Method 7 Eyewear, they make uh, eyewear 
sunglasses, but they don't call them sunglasses or eyewear. Pop sweater, they make the jackets that I wear, Susan's uh, race products, the supplied seatbelts, uh, softy parachutes, of course, the parachutes, new avionics with their, their ADSB uh, wingtip beacon, and uh, Aeromarine Tax Professionals helped out with the purchase of my new P51 Mustang. Woo-hoo. But the California Aeronautical University is a special relationship because we started out together a few years ago. I think they started with the five students, and they've grown into about 250 students now. The kids get, uh, they, it's a four-year school. They get a BS degree in three years because they go all year round. And in that three years, they get every, all of their uh, flying ratings through uh, flight instructor, instrument flight instructor. And they complete all the flying ratings within the first 18 months. And in the second 18 months, they're building flight time by instructing their younger students while they complete their coursework. They graduated their first class last year, last summer, and um, all the students that graduated and had offers from airlines and signing bonuses before they ever walk out of the door of the university. It's, it's magical, and uh, the kids are just remarkable. I really enjoy interacting with them on campus, and it's such a great relationship, but it fits in with my belief that education is key to building our self-confidence and building careers for ourselves. And I, I think, I think the world of them. Outstanding. So, Outstanding. Thank you for asking. Outstanding. And CAU University, really, really a good group of people and uh, they're supporting you. So that makes them even better in in my mind. Um, We're we're coming up to the next break, ladies and gentlemen. David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. Stay with us. Listen to my advertisers as well, because that's what pays for this show. When we are here with Vicki Bensing, Vicki Bensing Aerosports, we will be right back. Pilots are cool. That's why I listen to David Costa, the renegade aviator. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Vicki Benzing, and you can find out more by visiting my website at VickiBenzing.com. Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied Advanced Aviation Reno is my number one choice for flight training in the Reno, Tahoe, and Carson Valley area. Call or text me directly, 888-366-5256. Advanced Aviation Reno. I've arranged something very special for you, my listeners, my fans that are Renegade Aviator Radio Show. If you go to Advanced Aviation Reno and take an introductory flight or a flight lesson with them, you're gonna get a very special incentive from me. Already a pilot, how about getting an instrument rating or maybe a commercial rating, Advanced Aviation Reno. I am hosting a series of multi-engine flying seminars, but you need to call me, 888-366-5256. We'll set it up with my friends at Advanced Aviation Reno. Don't wanna wait till tomorrow. Why 
David Costa, a legend in his own mind. The Renegade Aviator, in the air and on air. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the Renegade Aviator, back with you. Segment for the Renegade Aviator radio show with Vicki Bensing. Vicki Bensing Aerosports. She flies in 1940 Steer Minute Air Shows. Really cool. Big old biplane putting out a bunch of noise and smoke. She has a P-51 Mustang. How many people in the world can say I got a P-51 Mustang? Vicky has a P-51 Mustang, and Vicky is the fastest woman in the Jets ever to race at Reno. She races in the sport class. She's won awards in the sport class, ripping around the course in the sport class aircraft, and I love Jets. So, Vicky, uh, you started out with the L-39, and then a lot of people that watch Reno, they think that all the Jets are the same. You'll tell us how fast you qualified because I didn't do my job as a host and find out how fast it was, but you were flying an L-139. What's the difference between those two aircraft? Because they look almost identical. Well, the L-139 has the Garrett engine, so it's got a little bit more thrust, but it's also a little heavier because it's got a beefier wing with hard points for um, munitions. They're all training jets, but... uh, Anyway, that beautiful jet belonged to a woman named Diana Sanger, and there were, there were only two ever built. There's only one that's flying. They were built for a contract for the U.S. military, which uh, Arrow Vodahoni never got. Uh, but anyway, that's, uh, that's the story on that airplane. I qualified that airplane at 469.831 miles an hour. <laughs> and over the subsequent years, I actually tried to break that record, and I would have accepted to change the way that they measured the speed on the race course by going from a, from an assumed circle around the race course to point-to-point pylon measurement. So, so everybody's speed came down a little bit. And even though we went faster, I think it was in 2018, uh, or let's say we went around the course in the less time, this posted speed came out slower, which... That's just too hard to explain. So we'll stick with the 469.831 miles an hour. Yeah, it's the advanced <laughs> physics of air racing. It's not as simple as you would like to believe. <laughs> yeah, well, at least now, because it's an actual physical measurement between pylons, it can uh, qualify for FAI records, which is the Federation Aeronautics International. So um, it's Excellent. not something that's just computed. Yeah, so this is the kind of that part of the show where I like to kind of ask all of my guests kind of words of advice maybe or words of wisdom for people that are maybe seeking their passion or haven't found it yet or somebody who's striving to to achieve something. I always believe that you go and talk to people who have proven themselves by achieving things, and you are one of those people. And I think we need to listen to people, right? If we want to do something, we need to listen to people that are already out there doing it. Any words of advice? You don't—they don't have to be uh, long or, or drawn out. But um, anything you can think of off the top of your head, I'm putting you on the spot. I realize that. <laughs> well, uh, you know, going back to finding your passion, I think that's the most important thing, and then not losing it, right? Like we all take detours in life, but always coming back to remember what fires you up and what what your passion is about. And I think it's very important also that you believe in yourself. And that's one thing that I really credit flying for is um, flying really gave me a sense of self-confidence. I think that a lot of young people may not have that uh, right away. And to learn to fly, you're out there on your own. You have to 
save yourself, and it, it gives you a tremendous sense of confidence that it's hard, sometimes hard to earn other ways. So I think those are really two keys to uh, achieving your goals. Go figure out what you're passionate about, what, what goals you want to achieve, and then and then believe in yourself and, and just go for it. People say, well, gee, this sounds so easy. And I guess it is in theory, right? It is. Have that passion. You, <laughs> but you are going to get setbacks and problems. Um, and sometimes you get wrapped up in your own chosen field or your own chosen sport or your own chosen passion. And you lose the passion because you get wrapped up in things that really don't mean anything. It's focusing back kind of what you said. Keep that spark alive, right, where you get up every morning and say, I'm going to go do this. This is awesome. Yeah. You get knocked down. Everybody gets knocked down. Sometimes you just have to pick yourself up and keep going. And it's not easy work, <laughs> and especially in this, like the aerobatic stuff and, and uh, the aerobatics and the, and the extra and having to go out to the airport every day and practice. Well, that sounds like great fun, but, but you know, the half hour drive out to the airport, the getting the plane out. I get to fly for like 20 minutes and I got to clean bugs, <laughs> drive back. I mean, it takes work and dedication and, and drive. And so I think it's important to realize that, that things that are really worthwhile are often not easy. And they take a lot of effort to go do, but they're worth it in the end. That's true. And you're choosing the effort. So, you know, it could be a lot worse. There's a lot of uh, people that... Uh, let the world drag them around by their hand and uh, and you're taking charge. And and for those of you that haven't had the great opportunity to meet Vicki, I really think when you walk up to her in an air show, and Vicki, I hope I'm not going to embarrass you this way, but you're very nice. You smile all the time. You're very unassuming. And here you've done all this cool stuff and you'll stop and talk to anybody, even a renegade aviator once in a while. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, I hope I come across as reachable and, and down to earth because... Because I really believe in that. Excellent. And that inspires other people. It really does, you know, just to see that person. Because I remember when I was a little kid and went to an air show and walked up to Lieutenant Colonel Roger Parrish. He was the Thunderbird number one at the time when they were flying F-4. So that's how old I am. But that made an impact on me. So kids and adults are going to come up to you, meet you, and you have an impact. So I really want to thank you for coming on our show. It's too late for me. I'm going to die. And people are going to say, boy, he was not a nice guy at all. No. <laughs> so I guess I got to rely on aviator stuff. But <laughs> Vicky, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Pilots are cool. That's why I listen to David Costa, the renegade aviator. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Vicky Benzing, and you can find out more by visiting my website at VickyBenzing.com. Hey, it's me again, the guy who can't stop, won't stop, on a comfy leather seat with lots of leg room and free direct TV, not to mention all the snacks I can eat, and boy, I can eat a lot of snacks. Let's hear it for the snacks. High five, low five, medium five, no five, doesn't matter, you can't stop me because that's why they call me Mr. Nonstop. That's why I fly JetBlue, because they don't stop, they're nonstop to cities I do business with, like Chicago, LA, Newark, DC, Baltimore, San Fran, Vegas, Charlotte, Raleigh, Phoenix, and Buffalo. Hey, what happens in Buffalo stays in Buffalo, am I right? Up top, high five. Not a high fiver either, nobody high fives anymore. Old school. I love it, I want it, I need it. Attention ladies, this ad is for you. I am Coach Laura from Tribe, a fitness community for women. I am an ACE certified group fitness instructor and 
Senior Support Specialist. Our community of ladies of 50 years old and up are getting fit and having fun. We work on cardio, core, and strength. Each class is different, so we're always keeping our muscles challenged with a new workout. Your first class is free. Come meet the tribe. Text or call 800-784-2707. Again, text or call 800-784-2707. So I can hardly wait. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, coming back in. This is where I wrap up the show. The hour goes quick, but here we go. Self-confidence. Some might call it self-esteem. You're not born with it. It's not some machismo deal. If you listen to Vicky speak about her achievements, you heard none of these things. We hear a lot of people talking about self-esteem. People blame their lack of role models. People blame their lack of opportunity. People have a wide array of excuses for their lack of self-confidence. I like that better. Confidence is not bravado. Confidence is earned after you decide, take action, struggle, learn, overcome, and achieve. Confidence is that internal glow that you know what you accomplished, that you know you have what it takes to do whatever it is you're passionate about, and you don't need anybody to tell you otherwise. Sure, we all love the limelight, the pat on the back, the recognition from our peers. I get it. Vicki nailed something in this interview. She said that learning to fly an airplane is a great way to build self-confidence. Aviation requires you to demonstrate excellence, not just once or twice, but each time you decide to be the pilot in command of your aircraft. Each step, each building block of your aviation journey has a clearly defined set of criteria that must be demonstrated with a reference to a finite and clearly defined and understood bar. The bar is blind to who you are what you look like, and where you came from. The bar at each phase of your progression as a pilot is in full view of your peers, your coaches, and the gatekeepers. The cost of not meeting the bar on any day and on any point during your flight as a pilot in command is brutal to those who fall short. But this is where Vicky was going, I think. Achieve, act, and fly to a high standard, and you will know. You will know you can do it. You will have commanded your flight well. You have, will have made both strategic and tactical decisions all through your flight. And you have once again done something to be proud of. You know it wasn't a perfect flight. No flight ever is. That elusive, perfect flight. But you're going to have earned the self-confidence to look yourself in the mirror and said, sure, that was good, but I can do better. Now, my friends, you're an aviator. But then Vicky said she would rather be known as a nice person 
instead of a skilled pilot. My FOs are not going to know how to treat me. And I have to be a nice aviator on top of it. Unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, in the air with my TS-11 Iskra jet. Come out and see us at an air show and on air with the Renegade Aviator radio show. I am the Renegade Aviator. See ya. So the beast in the